You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Well, I do not know if he can preach or not. I've not heard Brother Reynolds, but I know he can sing. So I would just come back next week just to hear him sing. Wow, what a good voice there. Glad you're here. You have your Bibles, Revelation chapter number 19, the book of Revelation chapter number 19. And I do pray if you're a visitor, you will come back. And don't hold anything against the church or the pastor, what I say. Okay, if I make you upset, come back and hear the pastor, all right? The book of Revelation chapter number 19. It's been a joy to be here with the men's meeting and just a great spirit among the men. I really, I really did. I really enjoyed just being with the men. And I enjoyed the California cooking. I didn't know the ladies out west could cook like that. I thought it was just a southern thing. But you ladies can cook. Wow, y'all did a great job. And I appreciate your investment in the men. I was, I was disappointed. Only one lady got a diamond ring. All the men were supposed to leave the conference and buy their wives uh, either a new car, new diamond ring, or a new house. Sorry, ladies, I did the best I could, okay? Just kidding. Men, to buy a house out here, you better have some money. Woo, you could buy 10 houses in Mississippi for what they cost here. And uh, may the Lord help you all out here, all right? Revelation chapter number 19. If you're there, if you're able, we'll stand in a Revelation chapter number 19. If you're not accustomed, maybe you just come Sunday morning, you don't come back uh, Sunday night, I want to encourage you. I really do hope that you will come back tonight. I believe the message will be a blessing. And uh, I would give you $1, $1 if you come back tonight. Maybe, maybe, all right? Because I don't know how many that may be here that don't normally come on Sunday night. There may be 100 and I wouldn't have the money, all right? Revelation chapter number 19, look at verse 14. Revelation 19, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Look down in Revelation 19, look at verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. Uh, can you begin to see how easily we can transition into people receiving the mark of the beast? in the day that you and I live in. You know, 30, 40 years ago, you talk about the mark of the beast, and people are like, ah, you know, how, how would they do that? Well, you can see it now. I mean, you really can. You can see the technology is there. And uh, it says here, and them that worshiped his image, these both were cast alive into what? A lake of fire burning with brimstone. Look at chapter 20. Chapter 20, look at verse 10. The devil that deceived them were cast into what? The lake of fire and brimstone. Now watch this. Don't miss this. Where the beast and the false prophet are. You look back at 19, the, the beast and the false prophet were cast into the lake of fire. Chapter 20, if you read the chapter later, you'll find there's been a thousand-year reign, a thousand-year reign of Christ. And you'll also find at the end of that reign, that Satan was loose for a little season. Now, we don't know how long that was. But here's what I do know. The, the false prophet and the beast were cast into the lake of fire, and then a thousand plus years later, they're still there. They're still burning. You see that? 
They didn't just burn up. They're still there, burning. Okay, look at verse 14, Revelation 20. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, And death and hell were cast into what? The lake of fire. This is the what? Second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into what? The lake of fire. Look at chapter 21, please, in verse 8. Chapter 21, and look at verse 8. I love this starting at uh, 10 o'clock. You know, we, we, we can get out of here by 2 o'clock today and be early, you know. I love how y'all do this. You know, you start early to give the preacher an extra hour or two. This is really neat, all right? We'll get you out at your normal time. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the unvulnerable and murderers, murderers and whoremongers Sorcerers and all idolaters and all liars shall have their part in what? The lake which burneth with what? Fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave your son to go to a cross, be buried, and rise again, so that we would never have to worry about going to this awful place called the lake of fire. Father, if we understand thy word correctly, you said broad was the way that leadeth to destruction, and many would go thereby. Father, thy word says narrows the way, and few, Father, would enter thereby. And so, Father, we understand thy word teaches that the sad truth is that it seems to me that most people are going to wind up, Lord, in this lake of fire. God, help us this morning to do our part, to keep as many people as we can, going to this place. We love you. Thank you for loving us so much. I pray now for the next few moments that you would help us. Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray and ask it all. Amen. You may be seated. In the verses that we read, I tried to point out to you uh, the words, the lake of fire. I read my Bible for many, many years, and I often wondered why the Bible didn't say the ocean of fire. Why didn't the Bible say the sea of fire? Why a lake? A lake is small. You understand you have a pond and you have a lake and then you have seas and oceans. Why, did, why if you got millions and perhaps billions of people being cast into this lake of fire? Why a lake? Why not an ocean? Wouldn't the lake, wouldn't the lake kind of fill up really quick? Because a lake is not that big. Why does the Bible says the lake of fire? The reason is because the lake of fire is bottomless. There's no bottom to it. And so it will never fill up as people will be cast into the lake of fire as they enter into this, what the Bible calls the outer darkness, the bottomless pit. They will fall for all eternity in what the Bible calls the lake of fire. The Bible teaches, the Bible teaches there are two judgments. I used to believe growing up because we didn't go to church and uh, uh, nobody in my family went to church. My dad was an alcoholic and I'll tell you his story here in a minute, but nobody, nobody in my family went to church. I never heard the word saved, born again, until I was nearly 16 years old. And uh, I, I thought, just not knowing anything about the Bible, there would be one general judgment where God would judge everybody. And uh, if you did more good than bad, you would maybe, you know, go to heaven. If you did more bad than good, then you'd go to hell. That God would kind of put all our works on a scale. You know, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. To go to heaven, you must receive Jesus Christ. 
And I, I thought there would be one general judgment. But the Bible doesn't teach that. There are going to be two judgments. One judgment, we call that the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment is for the saved. Listen carefully. That judgment is for the saved. There will be no lost people at the judgment seat of Christ. You can read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writes, and he says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The word all there, if you studied that chapter, he's referring to all the church, all the Christians. The word is mentioned several times there. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In Revelation chapter 20, of what we see here in verse number uh, 11, it says, And I saw a great white throne. This is what we call in the Bible the great white throne judgment. This judgment is for the lost. It's for the lost. I believe the Christians will be there, but we will not be judged there, but we will be watching. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, at the rapture, the Bible says this, and then shall we ever be with the Lord. If you look in Revelation chapter 21 in verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Who is weeping? Who is crying? Who is God wiping tears from whose eyes? From the saved. For us who are saved, who have been watching and beholding what we call the great white throne judgment. As we watch these folks who are in hell. See, when a person dies, if they die lost, they go to a place called hell. But hell is just like a holding tank. If you were to take a gun this morning and shoot me, they would not put you in prison. They'd bring you to jail. And you would wait there in jail for your court date. And then you would go before the judge. And then he would sentence you. When a person dies without Christ, they go to a place called hell. And they are held there. And then one day, the Bible says, death and hell will be delivered. And those that were in hell would be brought out of hell and then they will stand before God and then they will be cast into the lake of fire. You and I that are saved will watch this. We will behold these folks as they one at a time, I believe, stand before God and as the books are open and their name is not found, uh, of course, written in the book of life and then they will be cast into the lake of fire. Just think about all of those that we will watch uh, as we stand there and, and behold the great white throne judgment. Think about those down through the years and the ages who died without Christ. Think about all the presidents perhaps who died without Christ. Now I don't know. I don't, I don't know what presidents were saved and what presidents was lost. I don't know if John F. Kennedy was saved or lost. I, I don't, I'm not sure about Roosevelt or, or Nixon or, you know, or about Reagan or, or about Bush uh, uh, Sr. there. I, I, I'm not sure but I, I do know this. Uh, the Bible says that whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It doesn't matter who you are. If your name is not written in the book of life, if he was the president of the United States, if he was the president of England or China or Russia or France or Canada, uh, if your name is not written in the book of life, you'll be cast in the lake of fire. I think about all the famous football players through the ages. I think about the Joe Montanas, the Tom Brady's, the Jerry Rice's, the Pate Manning's. If their name is not found written in the book of life, look in Revelation 20 and look at verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I think about all the famous boxers down through the ages. Uh, uh, the Mayweathers, uh, uh, the Muhammad Ali's, the Joe Lewis's. And Joe Lewis was my favorite boxer. He had 71 fights 
Christ won 69 of those and lost those in his uh, late age. Uh, I've been to, uh, many of you know Pacquiao, uh, Manny Pacquiao. I've had the privilege to be in his home and sit there at his pool and and eat food there and and, uh, and later got to meet him. And uh, he has a testimony of salvation and it seems to me that he that he is saved. And I, and I thank the Lord for that. My my dream one day was to go to the Olympics. I was a boxer when I was a kid and I, I enjoyed it. But, but look, it doesn't matter how famous you are. Uh, you could be a boxer. You could be a football player. Uh, you could be a famous actor, Tom Cruise or, or, or The Rock or whoever you may be. You, you could be a famous singer, Michael Jackson or one of the Beatles. Uh, you, you could be very wealthy. You could be Elon Musk or uh, Bill Gates. Uh, it doesn't matter how big your house is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. The Bible says whosoever name is not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. I want you to think, women, as you and I stand there and we behold, we're watching this. People's brought out of hell and they're standing there before God. The books are open. Their name is not there. They're cast into the lake of fire. The Bible says they're cast, as you would take a pebble and throw it upon a lake and try to see how many skips you could get out of it. See, there's no mercy here. There's no grace here. There's no salvation at the great white throne judgment. I believe the angels will swoop down as those people stand before God. The angels will swoop down and grab them and cast them as they go through the air and as they enter into this lake of fire and as they begin to fall for all eternity in outer darkness, never to see another person forever for eternity. As you and I stand and we watch this, we watch some of the presidents who, who, who died without Christ. We, we watch some of the famous football players or famous boxers or actors or singers and uh, famous rich people, wealthy people. As, as we watch, uh, as they're standing there, me and you'll be looking and go, wow, that's so-and-so. Wow, that's so-and-so. Wow, that's so-and-so. And we watch them as they're being cast into the lake of fire. As we watch this, as we behold this, there will be but one thing that will matter, three things that will matter on this day. And that's what I want to preach to you about on now what matters. Now what matters. As these folks enter into the lake of fire, this thought comes to my mind, now what matters. doesn't matter how much money you had in the bank. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drove. It, it doesn't matter uh, how famous you were. It doesn't matter how many touchdowns you made or how many baskets you made. Or, uh, it doesn't matter if you was LeBron James. It, it doesn't matter if you was Kobe Bryant. If your name is not found written in the book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire. Now what matters? Let me give you three quick things that will matter on this day. Number one, were you saved? Were you saved? I'm telling you, one day you're going to be glad that you were saved. You're going to be glad that you were saved. Can I just give you three quick points underneath that? Number one, in order to go to heaven, everyone must be saved. Jesus said it this way to the most religious man of his day. There was a man that came to Jesus by night. His name was Nicodemus. And, and Jesus looked at this man and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus scratching his head. Nicodemus thinking, man, born again. Then he said in verse 4, Hey, how, how can I enter into my mother's womb and, and be born again? It went right over Nicodemus's head when Jesus Jesus said, you must be born again. May I say, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, in order to go to heaven, you must be born again. 
It is not denomination that will get you to heaven. It's not being a Baptist. It's not being a Catholic. It's not being a Presbyterian or a Methodist. My friend, you must be born again in order to go to heaven. May I say, number one, everyone must be saved. May I say, number two, I believe everyone can be saved. The Bible says in John 6, 37, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I don't know your background. I don't know all that you've done in your life. But I want you to know this. My friend, God can save you. God can save you for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May I say this morning, everyone must be saved. Everyone can be saved. May I say everybody's saved the same way. Everybody is saved the same way. You say, how is that? Jesus said, but as many as received me, uh, to them I gave you power to become the sons of God. The way a person is saved is by accepting Christ, by putting his faith in what Christ did. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by joining the church. We're not saved by getting sprinkled. We're not saved by getting baptized. We're saved by realizing that we are a sinner and that Christ died on that cross and he was buried and he rose again. We are saved by trusting what he did and not what we do. Zacchaeus was in a tree. Are you listening to me? When he got saved, there was a lady in John 4 that was at a well when she got saved. The, the eunuch was in the desert in Acts 8 when he got saved. Cornelius was at home when he got saved. Paul was riding a horse when he got saved. Uh, Acts 16, the Philippian jailer was in jail when he got saved. The thief was on the cross when he got saved. But let me tell you that something they all had in common. They all got saved the same way by trusting Christ, by faith in Christ. I was out knocking doors, and uh, this lady came to the door, and I said, hello, I'm by the car, this is so-and-so here. We're just out inviting folks to church. I'd love to have you. And she says, well, I go to such and such church. And I said, well, ma'am, we're not here to try to see you from your church. But the most important thing, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And she said, oh, yes, I know I would go to heaven. I said, wonderful, man. I, you know, I love that you said it with such, a, such, such assurance, such you're so positive. If you don't mind, just briefly, could you give me your testimony, how you got saved? She said, I'd be glad to give you my testimony. And she said, you see that couch over there? I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, uh, one day I was laying on that couch. And she said, all of a sudden, I began to float in the air. And she said, I began to float in the air. She said, you see that wall over there? And I said, um, yes, ma'am, I see that wall. And she said, I, I begin to float. And she said, all of a sudden, my body was on one side of that wall and the, uh, my other uh, part of my body was on this side of the wall. And she said, I was in, in, in the middle of that wall. And I was just floating there for a little while. And she said, all of a sudden, I floated back down on the couch. And she looked at me and she said this. She said, I know I'm saved. Come on now, you soul winners. What do you do now? I'll tell you what, I told her, I looked at her and I said, ma'am, not trying to be a smart aleck or anything like that, but I've read the Bible quite a bit. And I've read nowhere in the Bible where it says, if thou shalt float, thou shalt be saved. Are you with me this morning? You're not saved by floating. You're not saved by joining the church. You're not saved by turning over a new leaf. You're not saved by getting sprinkled or getting baptized or speaking in tongues. You are saved by receiving Jesus Christ. One day, you know what's going to matter? Number one, would you say? You have a testimony of salvation. I got saved January 5th, 1978 on a Thursday night. And uh, 44 years ago, and I'm telling you, the Lord changed my life. 
It wasn't religion that did that. It wasn't a denomination that did that. It was Jesus Christ. Number one, were you saved? Number two, what's going to matter this day? What's going to matter? Now what matters? Number one, will you save? You'll be there. You'll be thanking God. You'll be thanking God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was saved. Number two, was your family saved? Was your family saved? Go to the book of Joshua quickly, if you would. The book of Joshua, chapter 2. You know the story well. I'll just try to condense it really quickly here. Look at the book of Joshua, chapter 2. The book of Joshua, chapter 2. I'm preaching on the subject, now what matters? Now what matters? Look at the book of Joshua, chapter 2. The two spies that came in, they spied out the uh, uh, Jericho. Rahab the harlot had hid these two men. And in verse uh, number 9 of chapter 2 of Joshua, and she said unto the men, this is Rahab, I know the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard, watch this, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you come out of Egypt, and what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites, and, and, and to the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, uh, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we, heard, uh, as soon as we uh, had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in, in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. I'm not going to turn, but if you go to Hebrews 11, you'll find out that Rahab the harlot, her name is there. Her name is there. But all of those great men and, and Sarah, all of those that were mentioned, there is Rahab the harlot. I believe she's in heaven right now. And look at verse 12. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that you will save alive uh, my, my father, and my mother, and my brethren, and my sisters, and all that they have, and destroy and, and deliver, and deliver our lives from death. So Rahab the harlot says to these two men, she said, look, I hid you. I, I, I've been good to you, and, and I know that you're going to destroy this city. And now look, I want you to save my father. I want you to save my mother. I want you to save my brothers. I want you to save my sisters. I want you to save alive all of my kinfolk. And if you read the rest of the story, they say, okay, you got a deal. But you got to take that scarlet thread and you got to put it outside of that window. And if all of your family that's behind that scarlet thread, which is a picture, by the way, of the blood of Jesus Christ, everybody that is behind that scarlet thread is safe. But if any of your family is outside of that, they will be destroyed. Do you understand? She says, you got a deal. Go to Joshua chapter number 6. The book of Joshua chapter 6. Quickly watch this. In the book of Joshua chapter number 6. So they come in. The, you, know the, you know the story. The walls of Jericho, they, they, they march around. They blow the trumpet. They shout. The walls come tumbling down. Now the men are going in with swords. And, and man, there's this chaos. They're just killing people everywhere. And look at chapter 6 and verse 25 or 23. And the young men that were, were spies went in and brought out Rahab, brought out Rahab in who? In her father. In who? Her mother. I'm in chapter 6 or verse 23. And, 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 and it says, in her brethren, and all that she had, they brought out, watch it now, they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city 
with fire. Look at verse 25. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household all that she had. My friend, when the, the city was on fire, my friend, and there's Rahab the harlot and there's her father, there's her mother, there's her brothers, there's her sisters, there's her uncles, all of her kindred, they are there with her as they watch that city burn down with fire. I'm simply saying one day, you know what's going to matter? Was your dad saved? Was your mother saved? Were your children saved? Were your uncle saved? Were your aunt saved? Was your family saved? I didn't grow up in a Christian home. A lot of stories I like to tell you, I don't want to tell you. I've seen my dad leave sometimes, be gone for several days, drunk. I've seen my dad take a gun and go into a bar and blow the windows out of the bar. I went and met him there. My mother called me at 2 in the morning, and I went there and pulled up, and the windows were blown out of the bar. My dad was still sitting in the truck, me not knowing if people in there were dead or alive. And I looked at my dad. He crunked the truck up, began to go drive home, and I began to follow him, not knowing what to do, and a policeman got between, a policeman from both directions, and my dad pulled over in an alley there, and I jumped out of the car, began to run to my, toward my dad, and the police pulled their guns and told me to stop where I was standing. And I pleaded with my dad, please come out of the, that truck with your hands up there, I'll shoot your... My dad got out, he was drunk, had his hands behind his back, and the policeman ran over there and grabbed him, handcuffed him, threw him in the police car. The policeman walked over to me, stuck his finger in my face, and he said, if you'd had anything in your hand, I'd have shot and killed you. He said, you'd have killed me, I'd have went to heaven. If you'd have shot my dad, he'd have went to hell. The policeman just looked at me really funny. Wanted my dad saved. Folks in my family began to get saved. And one Sunday morning, the pastor said, I want all the Carr family to stand. If I point at you, I want you to stand. Okay, if I point at you, I just want you to stand. He said, I want all the Carr family to stand. And so we stood Right here, we have one right there. Could you help me, buddy? Would you stand? Would you stand one? Would you stand two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty? Right there. That was my family. That was my family on a Sunday morning that had gotten saved. And not one of us went to church. My dad couldn't read or write. He went to the second grade. His dad was an alcoholic. Nobody in my family went to church. We knew nothing about being saved. Somebody was out knocking doors, and they led my second oldest sister to the Lord. When she got saved, she came, and she invited us to church, and, and we didn't know. We began to go to church. I had long hair way past my shoulders and, and went to a revival meeting on Thursday night, and I got saved. Y'all can be seated. I appreciate it. Everybody had gotten saved but two people in my family. My dad and one of my sisters. A preacher by the name of Carl Hatch was going to come to our church and he was going to preach and give his testimony. My oldest brother called a meeting. He said, let's all meet at the house on Sunday morning. Let's see if we can talk dead and come into church. So we all met there. I was still a teenager. I was at home. And we all met there and, uh, and, uh, at the house. And, and my brother went to the, to the back and he began to plead with dad and said, dad, would you come to church with us? I want you to hear this preacher. My dad, forgive the language, but my dad said, I have a hangover. 
too sick. I can't go. Modish brother came out and he said, Dad won't come. And we all begin to weep. We begin to cry. We just knew if he would come and hear this testimony of this great preacher that he'd get saved. But he said he cannot come. We went on to church, went to Sunday school. And normally the teenagers would sit in the left section of the church. But for some reason that morning, I sat in the middle section. About 11 o'clock, I kept looking back at the watch. And about around two minutes of around 11 o'clock, my dad and mom walked in. My dad sat Ray toward the back, and Carl Hatch got up and gave his testimony. Carl Hatch was a drunkard. He got saved, and God changed his life. Powerful testimony. My dad walked out that morning and got saved. I said, my dad walked out that morning and got saved. Now, everybody in my family were saved, but, but one sister. My sister was very successful in life. She wasn't a doctor. She was right under a doctor. She ran the emergency room at the hospital. And her husband retired as an E-9 in the Army. And then he retired from another job. And they weren't wealthy, but they had good income, big, beautiful house, and just money in the bank and just, you know, all of that. I witnessed to my sister many, many times. Very sweet, very nice, always very nice. Never was rude in any way. She wouldn't get saved. Nearly 40 years, prayed for her to get saved. Modest brother got cancer. He was dying. Him and my sister were extremely close. I had led my oldest brother to Christ. He was saved. And so my sister was on her job, and they were walking. Her and her friend were walking like a track on their lunch break. And this other lady came up and invited my, my sister to church. And, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, she, she, she said they was going to go to Israel. And, uh, and my sister said, I would like to go to Israel. And the lady said, well, I didn't know you was religious. And my sister said, I didn't know you had to be religious to go to Israel. And, and so the lady said, no, only our church group is going. And if we, we can only bring 20. But if somebody backs out, you can go. So they only had 17. And so my sister got to go. The reason she wanted to go. Because she wanted to put a, even though she wasn't saved, even though she didn't go to church, she wanted to put a prayer request at the wailing wall for my brother. That was her motive. And so my sister flew with this other church group to go to Israel. And when she landed and got there, they began to go to the different sites. And she began to say, this is real. Wow, this is real. Wow, this is real. God, you know, because I've given her the gospel many times, and she'd come to church on special days, and so she knew, you know, how to be saved. And, uh, and, and at the wailing wall, she was putting a prayer request in for my brother, and she, and she fell under conviction, and she began to weep, and she began to cry, and she looked up to God and said, God, save me. And she called back home and said, I got saved, and she, I got to baptize her, and I gave her discipleship, but she's, I guarantee you, she was at church today. Well, her husband, my brother-in-law, who wanted nothing to do with it, hard as this pulpit, her life so changed, so changed. Now, he's curious what's going on. He told me, if I ever go to church, it won't be a Baptist church. That's what he told me years ago. And... uh and so my sister's saved. She's coming, man. And uh, she's got a Bible. She's reading it. And so he starts coming with her. He gets up on a, she gets up on a Sunday morning. He says... Lay my clothes out. I'm going I'm to go to church with you. So he came that morning, and 
He, and he came the next week, and he came the next week, and he went and bought him a Bible. He read his Bible all the way through. Came for almost a year. I'm a preaching, I'm a preaching, I'm a preaching. And then one Sunday morning, buddy, under condition, he walked down, weeping and crying, and fell out the altar and got saved. Every one of my brothers and my sisters and my family have been saved. I'm telling you, one day, it ain't going to matter how big your house is, how much money you're going to have. Was you saved? Was your family saved? Is your family saved? I don't understand this. I, I, I don't want to be ugly to you. I'm a guest. I don't understand how you can sit and be saved and your family going to hell and it doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother you. Ladies and gentlemen, what I have described, whosoever name is not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Whether it's your daddy, your brother, your sister, I submit to you this morning. Now what matters? Was you saved? Was your family saved? I'm done. Number three. But three things are going to matter. Were others saved? Were others saved? You know why this church is here? You know the main purpose of this church? It's to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is called the Great Commission. That is why we're here. We want to see people saved and go to heaven that they'll not be cast in the lake of fire. This is why Jesus died for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not go to that lake of fire, but shall have everlasting life. Now what matters were others saved. This is why you need to walk with God. This is why you read your Bible and you want to pray. Why? Because you want to reach your family. You want to have a good testimony. I think about Lot there who was a backslidden Christian. And he went and told his son-in-law, get, get out of here. God is going to destroy this place. And the Bible says they seemed as one that mocked. They did not take him serious. Lot, son-in-laws, died in Sodom. And if you read it carefully, he did not just have daughters. Lot had some sons. And they died in Sodom. Here is a man that was saved. We know that he was saved. The Bible tells us he was saved. But here is Lot with some of his son-in-laws and, and, and his children in hell today. This is why you want to walk with God. This is why you don't want to backslide and get away from God. This is why you want to surrender your life to the will of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Think about the Hudson Taylors. Think about uh, the Lee Robertsons, uh, uh, Jack Creever. Think, think about your pastor this morning. Thank God that he has surrendered his life and his wife to serve God. Hey, what if they not have surrendered their life? Who, who led you to Christ? Who told you about Jesus? This is why we want to surrender our lives to the will of God. This is why we want to deal with sin in our life. We want to forgive others. and We don't want to be stubborn and full of pride. Uh, this is why we want to serve God and get involved in the ministries. And uh, th This is why we want to come to church. And Hey, this is why we want to be soul winners and, and tell others about Jesus Christ. Presbyterian preacher years ago, Presbyterian pastor, had a meeting with his elders. And he said to them, fellas, I'm, I think I'm going to resign the church. And the elder said, why, pastor? You're a good preacher. He said, it's been months and months. We've had nobody saved. And he said, fellas, to be honest with you, I think every one of you need to resign too. Because you've not led nobody to Christ yourself. Me nor any of y'all seeing anybody saved. And the fellas just kind of looked at him and 
preacher said, I'm praying about it. I'm thinking about it. One of the elders, the senior elders, the senior, the senior elder in the church, they all left. He went back. He had a great business, a great business, very wealthy man. He called one of his head men to him. He said, I, I want to talk to you. He said, I want to apologize to you. I, I haven't been a good friend to you. He said, what do you mean? You've been a great friend. He said, no, you know, I've been a Christian for many years. I've never told you about Christ. And he began to sob. It wasn't long he led his right-hand man to Christ, got saved. And it wasn't long a, a lot of people that worked for him be, were, were getting saved. And the very next Sunday from that meeting when the pastor said that he ought to resign because they was having nobody saved, those elders had 30 men at church that they had led to Christ. God set a fire in that church. I'm saying to you this morning, hey, now what matters? This is why we want to be soul winners. This is why you don't need to quit. This is why you don't want to throw the towel in. Have I ever been discouraged? Yes. Have I ever been hurt? Yes. Have I ever thought about throwing in the towel? Yes. But how about my sister that just got saved? How about my brother-in-law? How about my little, we adopted two little girls and, and we had a youth conference and, and after the conference we had a book of life there and the theme was uh, the king is coming and, and uh, on the way home one night, uh, one of the little girls that we had adopted, Taylor, she said, Papa, she said, uh, uh, if your name is not in that book, uh, you don't get to go to heaven. I said, darling, your name has got to be written in the book when you get saved. I could tell God was working on about a week later, my wife called me on a Saturday. She said, uh, uh, Taylor wants to get saved. I said, meet me at the church. I was out making visits. We met at the church, and little Taylor got saved. She got saved. I wish I could tell you the background of what she came from. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm preaching to you is going to happen. One day the people that are in hell are going to be brought out of hell and they're going to stand before God and if their name is not written in the book of life and of course their name is not there, that's why they was in hell, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. You know what's going to matter? Listen, who, who went to the Super Bowl ain't going to matter. Who won the World Series ain't going to matter. How much money you had ain't going to matter. How famous you was is not going to matter. Was you saved? Was your family saved? Were others saved? Can I encourage you? Don't quit. Don't walk away from God. Stay with God. Continue to serve the Lord. Be faithful to God. Surrender your life to the will of God. One day you're going to be glad that you serve the Lord. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.